God is good. All right. Today, we are going to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6, please. Last week, we talked about a man named David. Today, we're going to talk about a man named Gideon. Amen. Hallelujah. So, we are going to go to chapter 6 and verse 11, please. Chapter 6 and verse 11. Hallelujah. Now, uh, one of the things I like to say, uh, you know, we pulling up talking about some of our patriarchs of faith, and I don't know how long this will go or not. I just kind of, that's what's been pulling in my heart, so um, taking a little time to kind of go through it. I'm going to do the same thing today. Uh, most of the time, we kind of, we talk about them. We just might just kind of hit them and then move on and bring up some of the highlights and move on, and I'm finding out um, a lot of people are just don't know the stories anymore. Um, I'm not not downplaying anything. It's just that you know it just doesn't get taught as much, and and so what happens? A lot of people don't understand uh, some of the things we might make mention, and then they think, okay, it sounds like it must have been a pretty cool person or whatever, but uh, not really understanding the magnitude of what uh, our patriarchs of faith did. Amen. And uh, their stand for God and how they did it, and and uh, but the scriptures are pretty clear. Um, the, the book of uh, 1 Corinthians brings out that uh, these are written, all this stuff that we read about primarily in the Old Covenant, things that we read about are done for, uh, as examples to us, to show us, amen, uh, what it means to walk by faith, what it means to stand for God in the midst of maybe pressure or whatever it is that's come against you. And they're done, written for our admonition or our instruction or our teaching is what it says, amen. The word also brings out in the New Covenant, talking about that these kind of things are what they call types and shadows of things to come. In other words, they're just, they give us glimpses of, you know, examples and shadows in the sense of shows you, gives us glimpses of how we can do this, how you live this, how you walk this. These people that we, uh, we talk about in the Old Covenant, this isn't just some fairy tale that's been written. These are actual people that stood, you know, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of pressure, in the midst of warfare, in the midst of, you know, an enemy attack or whatever it was, whatever it is they were dealing with, and not just the enemy. Sometimes it was people stuff. Sometimes it was uh, leadership that was corrupt. All the things that we read about actually happened. And so they're recorded for you and me to take it as an example to learn from it and understand that it does bear witness, amen, not only of what God can do, but also show us what can, He could do today. He's still doing signs and wonders and miracles. Is anybody hearing me today? So uh, anyway, today we're going to talk about Gideon. Chapter 6, verse 11. Now what's happening in context, I'm kind of saving a little bit of time here um, in the first basically 10 verses here at uh, what it is is uh, Israel has been really has really been under the oppression of Midian and a little bit of the Amalekites too. But what's been going on is really due to their own sin. Most of the time, when they come up underneath uh, uh, the pressure of the enemy, most of the time you're going to find in scriptures because the children of Israel were were backing up, were not ma- remaining true to God, and uh, they were uh, basically in sin. And so this this same thing happened here. And the word says. 
that they were under oppression here for at least seven years. If you kind of read that through that, it almost sounded like it was more than that, but it was at least a seven-year period where they were under the oppression of Midian and also the Amalekites, and I think there were others. And what they would do, every time it came harvest time, they would come up over the hill, they'd basically take all their crops, destroy their land, so that the Israelites would basically starve out. Are you hearing me? They would uh, try to, the word even says, Im, to bring them into a place of impoverishment, uh, to, to impoverish them. Amen. So to bring them, make them as poor as they could, broke, busted, and disgusted as they could. So they would come up over the hill, and they'd steal everything they got and destroy whatever they could. So the children of Israel were doing everything they could to just try to stay alive. And they were hiding. But the problem with that kind of stuff is pretty soon you get comfortable doing that kind of stuff. And you don't take the stand that you're called to take. And so all of a sudden now, here we go, verse 11, and we got, uh, it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in uh, Ophrah, uh, which belonged to Joash, which is actually Gideon's father, okay, the uh, Abizurite, uh, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press. Now, I mean, old wine press is for pressing wine. But what we got, because we're, we're constantly getting our harvest stolen. He, begins, he goes out and little by little takes part of the crop in and then, and then uh, threshes or, or beats the wheat to get the crop off best he can, try to get as much as he can before they, they come popping over the hill again to steal everything. And it says uh, he, he did this in order to hide it from the Midianites. Okay, all right. So then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you. You mighty man of valor. Now, right now, at the moment, it's looking like anything but that. But the Lord has made a declaration of who he is, okay? Now, let's just look at that real quick. The Amplified brings it out that he's called a man of fearless courage. The New Living Translation said he's called a mighty hero. The Interlinear and also the Message Translation brings out uh, he's called a warrior of might. Now, uh, the, the man of valor, the, the word here is actually a, a Hebrew word. Are you doing okay? Yeah. A Hebrew word, kayil, uh, uh, I think is how it's pronounced. It means valiant, virtuous, brave. Uh, it means literally a force of strength or might, and it means courageous. Everybody say courageous, which is probably going to be maybe our key word today. All right. Now, it, the word courageous means a quality of mind to encounter danger and difficulty with firmness, Boldness, amen, or intrepidity, okay, which basically means being fearless. Okay, these are just some synonyms. I know I'm kind of moving fast. I'm trying to make up some time here. Uh, fearless, daring, gritty, gutsy, okay, a few other words, but well, gallant, adventurous, also words like lion-hearted, stout-hearted, bold-hearted, all right. This is, this is what the angel of the Lord, everybody say angel of the Lord, Angel of the Lord is saying to Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. You're a courageous man. Well, he's hiding right now. Well, he's not the only one. A lot of times we might pick on Gideon a little bit, but at least Gideon was going out trying to get as much harvest as he could and bring it in. The problem is everybody gets kind of comfortable in those kind of things. So what happens is that you've been doing this for years, and sometimes in the course of this kind of thing, the, the enemy can just, can just bombard you. Now, what's going on here is the angel of the Lord is declaring who he is. Everybody say identity. identity. 
Okay, I'm so glad some of the stuff Trudy brought up and also some of our singing today it kind, of, kind of dealt with this. But that's who he is. See, he's a mighty man of valor. That's who Gideon is. He's a mighty man of valor. The angel of the Lord said, that's you. You're a mighty man of valor. Now, Gideon didn't quite get it at first. He kind of struggled with it, as with maybe you might. If I came up and said, you know what? The Spirit of God says you're a mighty man of valor or a mighty woman of valor. And you might say, well, that could be debated. In fact, a lot of times stuff like that gets argued. Everybody say identity. identity. You know, we have an identity in Christ. It doesn't, you know, we all have identity naturally. We have names, and sometimes we, we fi- figure out, you know, it comes pretty important, especially when somebody tries to steal your identity. And all of a sudden, that identity becomes even a little bit more important. Well, the enemy is constantly trying to steal your identity in Christ. He always goes after the identity. It started in the garden, went all the way through into Jesus. Okay, in the garden, it was real clear when he, when he was attempting Eve. He made it real clear. He says, if you will eat this, you'll be like God. Well, she already was like God. According to Scripture, she was made in his likeness and after his image. But she didn't know that. She, wasn't, she, didn't, have that, she didn't have a revelation of that. She was ignorant of that. Everybody say ignorant. Now, ignorance is not a, you know, a lot of times they say ignorance is bliss. No, it ain't. Ignorance is a trap. The enemy wants you ignorant. If you stay ignorant of who you are, especially he'll come in and steal everything you got. Is anybody hearing me? And that's how he works. Even when Jesus was being tempted after he came up out of the water, when he was baptized, water baptized, he came up, the Spirit of God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. All of a sudden, uh, you know, all of a sudden it was on. Man, the enemy figured out this is the, the one that's coming. Are you hearing me? The, the, the Messiah that's going to come and, you know, bust his heel on his head. Right. The prophecy from the very beginning that was spoke over, uh, uh, that was spoke by the, by the Father. Amen. So here he comes now, so he comes, and now he's, Jesus has been kind of uh, brought out into the wilderness, and we call it the wilderness of temptation, and he goes out there 40 days, 40 nights, gets as weak as he can, so here comes the enemy now to bring temptation. What's he go after? He goes after his identity. Are you with me? He says, if you are the Son of God, change this, these stones into bread. Well, Jesus knew who he was. There was no question about it. There was no war about whether or not he's the son of God. He knew exactly who he was. And he just gives the word, it is written, man, and just thumped him in the face. The enemy come back at him again, if you are the son of God. And he gave another temptation. Jesus just thumped him back in the face with another, another verse. He didn't struggle with who he was. He knew who he was. Come on, somebody. Do you know who you are? So many times the enemy comes in and ransacks due to ignorance because we don't know who we are or through constant, here's the other word here, bombardment. And that's kind of what was happening here. There was this constant bombardment, years of bombardment. And pretty soon a child of God starts forgetting who they are. Now the, the, the answer for both ignorance and bombardment or constant bombardment by the enemy, the answer is still the same. You got to stay locked on to who you are. You got to keep your mind renewed to it. You got to stay in the Word of God, and you got to believe what God says about you. Oh, hallelujah. So you got to have courage to believe what God says about you. 
God says, you might, the angel of the Lord said to him, you mighty man of valor. Well, he has to, it's going to take courage just to believe that word. Well, God says, you're more than a conqueror. He says, you're a world overcomer. He says, you're forgiven, you're chosen, you're accepted. You're the righteousness of God. You're forgiven, praise God. I mean, there's sometimes people just war with that. You're a child of the Most High. Hallelujah. You're a child of God, an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. That's who you are. That's your identity. But if you don't know that, due to ignorance, not understanding or hearing about it, or just due to constant bombardment, see, if you get bombarded enough, if you don't, if you don't resist that, what happens little by little, it beats you down into submission. And that's how the enemy works. Am I boring you? All right. That's how it works. So that's exactly what's happened now to the children of Israel. After years of this, now granted, they opened the door to it. But you know, repentance is a wonderful thing. Forgiveness is a wonderful thing. The blood of Jesus is a wonderful thing, somebody. Come on now. Amen. Maybe you have made mistakes, and maybe you did open the door for the enemy. But how about just kick that dude in the teeth, tell him to get on out. He's got no right to you, to your household, your family, your finance, your business, your health. you got to stand your ground in who you are and believe who God says you are. Well, preached on that a little longer than I thought I would. But are you getting it? You mighty man of valor. So you're going to have to take some courage here and believe what he says. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord. Really? That's what he said. If the Lord is with us. So what happens now? He starts going back looking. Well, you know, if God really is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And listen, these ain't no different questions than I hear all the time. I thought I was a child of God. How come all this stuff's happening? If God loves this country, then how come all this bull? What about all this stuff? Where's God? Listen, ain't none of it different. It's the same. People are people. I said people are people. Doesn't matter if it was back, you know, 4,000 years ago or even today. People still have the same struggles. It's the same enemy. He uses the same lies. The Word says he's got nothing new under the sun. He does the same tricks on you that he did on them. Now, maybe he, you know, was using horses instead of Harleys and, you know, big Ford high boys or one of those little electric cars. I was going to say Prius, and I was like, God, I just said that out of my own mouth. I just can't believe I did that. I don't know, some of you got Priuses, I know. But I do like to tease you about them. But anyway, the point is, praise God, you know, it might be a different day than that. There might be certain things. Now we got cell phones. We got all this kind of stuff that maybe they didn't have then. But it's still the same tricks. Are you still with me? So he says, you know, where, you know where's God at, man? If, if this is the case, I mean, I love this because really all it is is the victim mentality. It's just negativity. It's just excuses. Okay. So the angel of the Lord says, you mighty man of value. He says, well, wait a minute. You know, if, you know, where's the Lord at? I mean, if the Lord's with us, then why is this all happening? Where, where are all the miracles? Where, where, you know, all the things that our fathers told us about. The God that, that brought us up from Egypt, but now he's forsaken us. No, he hasn't. 
I mean, you ever just stop and think about certain things? I mean, he hasn't forsaken you. He sent the angel of the Lord standing right there. It's the one he's talking to. Now, maybe he doesn't, you know, grasp that yet. I get that. I'll give him that. But in all honesty, you know, uh, you know, it's so easy sometimes. We, we start looking at every negative thing. And listen, I'm not trying to pick on nobody. But somewhere along the line, we got to believe what God said. Somewhere along the line, we got to say, you know what? I know the pressure's on, but I'm more than a conqueror. I know the pressure's on, but I'm, I'm delivered. I know the pressure's on, praise God. I'm an overcomer. I know the pressure's on, but praise God, I'm delivered. I know the pressure's on, but I'm healed. I know the pressure's on, but I'm, I provided for, praise God. I know the pressure's on, but who cares? I got a God that's with me that will not leave me nor forsake me, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, he hasn't forsaken you. He said he delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. It says, then the Lord turned to him, or the angel of the Lord, really is what it was, turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. Didn't even give heed to it. I love this. See, you're going to not only have to have courage to believe what he says about you, you're going to have to have courage to be okay to let go of some things. Am uh, Am I upsetting you with that one? Sometimes our past, you know, sometimes... You know, the mistakes made, sometimes, you know, the negativity, sometimes the excuses. Sometimes we just got to let that go. Listen, nobody's denying that you've, you've had your back against the wall with something. Nobody's denying you've been up against something. Nobody's denying the fact that maybe you had, you had a, a, a bad shake, a bad hand dealt to you. We understand that does happen, but the quickest way to walk above it to conquer, to overcome, is to believe not only what God said, uh, you know, calls you, but to believe what he says about you, praise God, and what you can do in him. And if he said he'll never leave you nor forsake you, then guess what? He's never left you nor forsaken you. Now, there might be times you might turn and walk away from him, but I guarantee you any time you say, Lord, he's going to say, yep, right here. All right. So he said, turn in this might of yours, amen, and, and, and go save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? See, there's the word. I've called you to do this. So he said to him, he, it's like, it's like he, this paralysis of self-analysis begins to set in. Okay? And it's, it's, it is. It's, it happens, okay? Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. I mean, for anybody, even for a man to admit that would be something. But see, this is what happened with constant bombardment. Sometimes we lose sight. If we're not filling ourselves up with what God says about us, that constant bombardment will knock you into submission, and pretty soon the one that you should have authority over now has authority over you, or at least thinks he does, or at least has you convinced he does. That's probably a better way of saying it. And the Lord said to him, didn't even give heed to it. He's just thinking, I'm done with his whining. And the Lord said to him, surely I will, I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Amen. Listen, it happens. You know, I don't know, it's like John 5, I believe it is, um, the Gospel of John, chapter 5. And we got, uh, you know, Jesus is called to go into the pool of Bethesda, this, this pool is surrounded by people that are sick. 
And they're all waiting around thinking that waiting for an angel to come in and stir the water, so to speak, or at least that's the, that's the word. That some, once in a while, something, the water gets stirred, and they all try to rush to the water, and supposedly the first one in gets, gets healed or delivered, whatever. You know, I don't know, just, you know, whatever. But the point is this, okay, Jesus is called by God, led by God to go in there and minister to one man. He goes into that man, and he asks him a simple question. Do you want to be healed? Duh, right? What would be the answer? I'm sorry, only half of you know the answer? What would be the answer? Yes! That's all he was looking for. Give me something to work with. Now, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty convinced because of the way I know how things work by the Spirit. Obviously, somebody was praying for that man. Could have been that praying grandma. Says, Lord, heal my boy. He's over at the pool of Bethesda. Get that boy delivered. Get him back home. I mean, I don't know. But all I know is that the Spirit of God, Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it or I hear the Father say it. And I ain't going to say nothing. I ain't going to do it until I'm led. So obviously the Spirit of God led him to go in there and minister to one man. Well, that man, all he could do is come up. He didn't say, yes, yeah, I want to be delivered. He just started going into a bunch of excuses. Why? Because of constant bombardment. What was he, 38 years? He had this infirmity. So, you know, somebody say, well, you know, you got to feel for the guy. Well, yeah, but just feeling for the guy ain't going to get the guy delivered. And we're not trying to pick on the money, and I'm not trying to pick on you. Don't go out of here thinking that pastor ain't got no feelings for nobody. <laughs> Meanest preacher I've ever been around. He picks on us. He knows we're in trouble. We're hurting. And you look what he does. And says, well, I just, just leave me alone for a minute. <laughs> Come on now. Listen, to, you know, being in some pity party or, or you know, getting under, you know, you know this victim mentality isn't going to change it. You're going to have to say, you know what? I want delivered. I want healed. I want to rise above this, praise God. I want to be who God says I am. I want to be and do what he says I can do. I want to fulfill what he says I can fulfill, praise God. I refuse to let the curse control me and dictate and dominate me. I refuse to let the enemy have his way over me, praise God. I want delivered. I want set free. Yes, Jesus, I want healed. But he went on and started talking about, you know, if nobody ever takes me, I can't get to the water in time. And if somebody could carry me, maybe I could get. And I th- I'm wondering sometimes maybe if Jesus would have just picked him up, threw him in the water, what would have happened? <laughs> See, I mean, I wouldn't have been that nice. You know, Come here, I'll drag you in the water. We need water. No, Jesus didn't even give heed to it. And that's what kind of makes, I think about that because this angel of the Lord didn't give heed to anything. You know, you know, Gideon was trying to, you know, cancel it. Everything that was being said, he's trying to cancel it. And, and the angel of the Lord says, nope, you're the man. Get it straight. And Jesus says the same thing. Nope, you're the man. Get it straight. Rise up and walk. Take your bed and walk. Go. He gets up, gets delivered, praise God. Heads out, Jesus goes out too. Anybody hear me? Now, that's the God I serve right there. Come on. 
So all he takes is a people of faith, believe in God. Are you still with me? Now, of course, Gideon, you know, needs a, needs a few signs and signals and everything else. And, and just for sake of time, I might skip down here a little bit. But he's looking for a sign, and uh, he wants to cook. Um, you know, he says, if, you know, show me a sign. He, so he cooks him a meal. He says, wait here, and I'll cook you a meal. And I'm thinking to myself, does anybody ever kind of, you know, the angel of the Lord standing outside while he's cooking a meal. Now, I, I don't know. They, they didn't have microwaves. Now, you know, sometimes, you know, I, you know, in the afternoon, I might just, you know, pop in something, you know, in three minutes, woo, ding, I'm, woo, ready to eat. But now they cooked a meal, cooked some brew, you know, some uh, um, uh, broth, I should say, I was going to say brew. <laughs> Gave the guy a brew, you know. <laughs> <laughs> some broth and meat and, and you, know, uh, you know, gave him this and the cake and had to make a cake even. It said took, took you know, the, the fixings for a cake and made a cake. Then goes out and the guy says, okay, put, put the meat there, put the cake there, pour the broth, touched it with, with the staff. And I'm thinking, dude. But he got a sign. Amen. Now hang on to that because, you know, sometimes we might think, well, you know, how do we know? Well, listen, you know, we're not, we don't live by outward signs. Amen. Now, remember the, old, the patriarchs of faith, they had the Spirit of God that would come on them, but you and me as child of God, or children of God, we have the Spirit of God within. We don't necessarily need all these outward signs to tell us to believe something. But I will say this, sometimes it's kind of nice when you get a confirmation. And something, you know, speaks to you and you know, hey, praise God. So let's jump down here. Let's go to like um, verse 22. Let's do that. Now Gideon perceived that he was, uh, that this was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord, uh, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But then the Lord said something. The Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So obviously that's something that's been on his thought, on his forethoughts here. So Gideon built an altar there. I'm in verse 24. And call it the Lord is peace. To this day it is still in Ophrah uh, of the uh, Abizrites. I don't know if I pronounced that one totally right. But anyway, now it came to pass the, uh, the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull and the second bull of seven years old and tear down, look at this now, and tear down the altar of Baal. Now this is what the problem was. See, is there was a, a, many of the, those in, the, in, their, in this nation were, all, were worshiping Baal, which is just another way to say the devil. Okay, so altars of Baal, okay, and even his own dad had one, okay. Now listen, and so this is probably outside the community here a little bit, but anyway, he says, your father has said, or pardon me, tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that, that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord, your God, on top of this rock uh, in proper arrangement. And he explained how to do it. And take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood, of the image, in other words, use everything you tore down to use it as to burn, right? To, to be the wood to burn. Uh, wood of the image which you shall cut down. Verse 27, so Gideon took ten men of his, of his servants, okay, from his own household, see, and then did as the Lord said to him. And because he, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too, uh, too much to do it by day, he did it by night. <laughs> well, he, he's getting it. Just hang on. He, he'll get it. Come on now. But anyway, he's okay. So he said, okay, I'll do this, but yeah, I'm going to do it at night, right? 
Okay, anyway, and when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down, the wooden image beside it was cut down, the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, they obviously knew, Gideon the son of Joash has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, now this is his dad, bring out your son that he may die. Now, I mean, you know, when you make a stand, you know, it takes courage to make a stand. But, you know, when you make a stand, if you're going to be courageous and make a stand, um, understand that not everybody's always going to agree with you. You've got to stand firm in your stand. You've got to be courageous. And sometimes, you know, to do what's right and to, to walk out what's right, it takes courage to do that. But it also takes courage because, you know, sometimes... Those around you, sometimes your own household, sometimes your own community, doesn't always see it. And if you're going to back down every time somebody gives you a little guff, come on. It's time to stand our ground as children of God. Somebody says, this nation's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, it's because of the church, not because the world. I mean, the world's going to do what the world does, and they've proven that. The world's fairly stupid. And I'm trying to be nice. But, you know, when you don't have the Spirit of God within, there's a lot of decision-making that goes on that's not real right. Have you noticed? Anyway, but why, do they, why are they doing what they do? Because the church hasn't stood their ground. We've gradually backed up because of constant bombardment or due to ignorance, not knowing who we are or forgetting who we are. We back up. Now we're giving the enemy place, and pretty soon the world begins to take over. Somebody say, are you getting political? Do I have to? I mean, the world's the world. So we as the church have to stand our ground. Is anybody hearing me? So they went to Joash, went to his dad and said, you know, um, you know we, we want your, we're going to kill your boy, so bring him out. Because he's torn down the altars and uh, cut down the wooden image. And, and Joash, I love this, Joash. Now remember, Joash, the word says that his altar got tore down, right? So obviously he obviously did the same thing. And he said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? In other words, listen, if Baal is so tough and so big and bad, what are you, what are you fighting this battle for? Come on. And he said, would you save him? Let the one who plead, I love this, let the one who would plead for him uh, be put to death by mourning. <laughs> I, I love this. I mean, dad's amazing. I think what happened was, I think what his boy did this, I think it shook his dad loose and said, yeah, that's right. Right? And I, I love this. You know what his dad said? He says, listen, this offends you? You offend me. If, if Baal is so big, let him take care of his own fight. Well, obviously he didn't because he isn't. Anyway, come on, right? All right. So obviously, uh, you know, it didn't happen. 
And uh, so uh, anyway, uh, anyway, so ver- let's go down to verse 33. Then all the Midianites and Amalekites and the people of the east now started gathering together. Why? Well, because they're hearing something. Something's gone on. These Israelites who should be under submission are no longer, there's stirring going on in the camp. See, anytime you make a decision, you're going to make a stand for God. Not only are you going to have a little people pressure, I mean, the enemy's going to see and find out, do you really believe what you just said? Listen, child of God, I always try to tell people when they come up and says, man, I just made a decision. I'm going to serve God with all my heart. I'm going all the way. Man, I'm going to serve God. And I'm going, whoa, great. Let me explain something to you. Okay, you better be holding this tomorrow, and you better be holding this next week. And you better be holding to this in a month from now. And you better be holding this in six months from now. And you better be holding to this in a year from now. Come on, somebody. Because the enemy's going to try something to try to knock you off that. So you better stand firm in who you are. Come on, somebody. This isn't just some emotional thing. Although it does affect your emotions. I know I never get emotional. It does affect your emotions, and that's, that's wonderful. Amen. But just remember, the enemy is always going to try. The word says he comes immediately to try to steal the word. To get whatever's been spoken to your heart, he's going to try to get. All right? So that doesn't mean you've got to be fearful of it. It just means be aware of that. So here it comes now. They're all going to raise up an army against him. Verse 34, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and then he blew the trumpet. And the Abarites, or Abazarites, or whatever, gathered behind him, and he sent messengers out to all the other tribes, Manasseh, and also gathered, they all gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, and Zebulun, and Naphtali, and, and anyway, all came. Everybody's starting to come. They got all these people gathered, and they're all saying, that's right, it's about time. There's, there's this group going, it's about time. I'm tired of, of losing everything. Let's take these dudes out. So here they all come. So Gideon said to God, and now he's got another, needs another sign. So he says, if, you, if you're going to save Israel by my hand, uh, you know, then I'm going to put a fleece, a wool out and, uh, on the threshing floor. And he says, uh, tomorrow when I come in, if there's dew on the fleece and not on the ground, then I'm going to know it was you. And, of course, it happened. And then he said, well, don't get mad. It's, you know, I'm not trying to mess with it. I just, I just kind of need to know. Uh, so I'm going to do this again. And this time, do the opposite. Everybody say he needs a sign. Okay, well, that's okay. So God did it. God obliged him. Praise the Lord. Now, this again, I'm going to say this. It doesn't give you and me the, the right to do all that, though. Because we don't live by that. We don't live. We got the Spirit of God within. Amen. And we got the Word of God. And we got the ear of God. Amen. To hear from heaven. I mean, you got an ear to hear from God. I mean, amen. So anyway, uh, so this, you know, you got, all, got another witness again. Verse one of chapter seven. Whew. You know, you just threw, flew through a chapter. Then uh, Jerubal, which is Gideon, another name for Gideon, I guess, and all the people of whom was with him rose early and encamped beside the well of, of Herod, and so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them uh, by the hill of uh, Moriah in the valley. Okay, now uh, the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many. Huh? The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying that my own hand has saved me. Now, listen, everybody say courageous. courageous. Look at your neighbor and say, it's good to be courageous. So you've got you to be courageous about some of this. You've got to be courageous about, about you know, who you are. We've got to believe what he said about you. 
You got to be courageous when he starts leading, guiding, and directing. And you got to be courageous even when sometimes you get those little leadings and biddings of God to do that just don't go straight with the head. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been asked to do something and you went, uh, excuse me? And you might say, is there anybody else up there? But sometimes, you know, God gives a leading and a bidding. Now, see, what's happening is, this is we're talking about resistance. That's why the word says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he flees. You first submit to God, God gives you leadings, now you resist and you win. So that's what's going on here. So he's getting a witness, and the first thing he says is, you got too many guys with you. Now remember, all these guys came, he sent word out and got all these guys to show up. Anybody hear it? I mean, could you imagine? that? Now, now just for whatever it's worth, there was, uh, I think it's 32,000 men. Let me look here. I think it is. 32,000 men total. Okay, 32,000. So you're thinking, okay, I got a pretty good sized army here, right? He says, you got too many. So I want you to do something, okay? Now you tell them, all right, let, you know, uh, say this to them. Whoever's fearful and afraid, let them turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. Well, he's probably thinking, you know, there are probably a few old guys might walk off. You know them old guys. Young cubs will stick around. They're all tough. 22,000 of them said, yeah, I think I'm going to leave. Listen, I I understand God said this, but come on, you know as well as I do. You said, all right, now, if some of you are afraid, I get it. If you need to go, go ahead and go. It's all, it's good. I got the word of God. Just tell you you guys could go. They all went, okay. Two-thirds walked off. And he's thinking, I mean, I, you know, maybe at that time he's kind of start, starting to kind of get it. I don't know, but that would have almost really been an opportunity to take the wind out of your sails. And then God says something. He says, you still got too many. He's like, what? Right? See, sometimes you got to have courage that when God begins to lead in some things that you're okay to follow it. Know you got a God that's with you. Sometimes God says, I want, you to, I want you to do this. I want you to not do this. I want you to just let that go. I want you to uh, go ahead and, and uh, you know, move toward this or go ahead and do this. And you're thinking, ugh. But if you know it's a word of the Lord, it's worthy of walking it out. Anybody with me? Everybody say courageous. courageous. He's a man of valor. You're a courageous man. Get a hold of it, Gideon. You can do this. So he says, all right, all right, all right. So what's he do? Well, he says, you got too many. And he said this, like a verse, it's like around verse 4, I believe it is. There's still too many. He says, but I said, bring everybody down to the water. So now you got 10,000 people. Verse prior, it said there was 10,000 that remained. 10,000 people now go down to the water. Okay. And he said, we're going to figure out who to keep and who not to keep. And all the ones that get down on their face, and lap water just straight directly from mouth from the water, right? Or, and the ones that come down, kneel down, scoop it up, and bring it up to their mouth. That's the dividing. So he said those that, that reach down, scoop it, and bring it up to their mouth, those are the ones you keep. Everybody else that gets down and laps it from the, the stream or whatever, he said let them go. 300 left. 300. That's all that's left. 300 left. That's it. So that only 300 of them spooned the water up and brought it up to their mouth. Everybody say 300. Okay. 
Well, verse 7, Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the three hundred men who've lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people uh, go, every man to his place. And so they all left except the 300. So the men took provisions and their trumpets in their hand. And they went, uh, went away, all the rest of Israel uh, left, okay, and every man to his tent, and then returned those 300 men, look, or retained, did I say that right? Retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below below him in the valley, and it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down there, uh, why would God say that? Okay. So I'm not, I'm not exaggerating here. I mean, he's still, still got this, uh, right? But he wants you to go down, sneak down into the camp, okay? And if you, if you don't want to do it by yourself, take Paran with you, your servant, and go down there and hear what they have to say. They get down there. They sneak down. Okay, they have thousands, tens of thousands. In fact, the scripture says in chapter 8 that there was a, let's see, there was 135,000 men in that valley that were waging, going to wage war against them. 135,000. That is 450 to 1. Do the math. 450 to 1. There's 300 men going against 135,000 men. So he says, go down and listen to what's being said. He goes down there. He can hear a conversation in one of the tents, and the guy had a, had a vision or a dream, and he, you know, he plays it all out. He says, this uh, loaf of bread rolled down the hill and knocked over one of our tents and destroyed it. And the, guy, the other guy said, that, must, that can only mean Gideon and, and the army of God coming against us. And Gideon's outside the tent listening, going, cool. They're already scared. Now, if they would have known there was only 300 guys standing out on the edge of the hill, they probably wouldn't have been that scared. For all they know, there's still that 32,000 men, you know, around the corner there. I don't know. The point is this. It somehow, it confirms in his heart. He goes back up to the hill. He says, all right, boys, they're ours. They're ours. So they, every one of them, can I go ahead and just tell the story for sake of time? Uh, so he says, all right, all of you take a trumpet. All of you take a torch. And all of you take a pitcher. Now, you light the torch, put the pitcher on top of the torch so the light only comes down right where you're walking so you know where at least you're going. Come on. And you hang on to that trumpet. We're dividing into three groups. 100 men go that way. 100 men go this way. 100 men stay with me. Now the rest of you listen. When I, when I blow the trumpet, you do the same thing. When I yell something, you yell it. Whatever I do, you do. All right, sir. So 300 go over here. They kind of get around this group. They, they're part, this, this army down below. They get around them. The next 100 get around. Next 100, pretty soon you got them pretty much surrounded with the 300 men. And all of a sudden... He starts blowing the trumpet. Well, now you got 300 trumpets blowing. Well, you can imagine 300. They, nobody in the, inside the camp thinking, there's just 300 guys out there with 300 trumpets. <laughs> we don't have to be scared. But they heard 300 trumpets. 300 trumpets! There must be 100,000 guys out there! And they break those pictures, and all of a sudden the light that was just shining below them now is broadcasting. 
And now they look, somebody looks out the tent and all they see is a wall of fire. They're going, oh my God! They're coming! We're dead! So they all start getting excited. They don't know. They start killing one another because they don't know, are you one or who are you? Because there's multiple armies. They don't know who's the enemy and who ain't now. They just start killing everybody. The word said 120,000 fell. Chapter 8 tells us that right there. 15,000 of them took off running. Come on. Now, 120,000 are now done, 15,000 running, which now still, with 300, still means at least 1 to 50. But they're running. They're hightailing it. And our boys now are chasing them down, thinking, man, wow, let's go get them. And they went after him, man. And I mean, there's a whole more of the story, but the bottom line is, praise God, the word is real clear, amen. Basically took them all out. Everything's done. Brought back the, the kings and they killed them and made sure, praise God, hallelujah, that they stood victorious, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Now, I just want to show you one verse. Chapter 8, we'll close with this one. Chapter 8, verse 4. And Gideon, when Gideon came to the, to the Jordan, he and the 300 men, who were with him, crossed over, right, they're chasing those 15,000. They, they were exhausted, but still in pursuit. Everybody say courage. Courage, courage has to rise above. I'm tired, man. Just, don't you know everything I'm up against? I do, but your only way out is to stay in it. You don't get out because you're tired. Gee, I knew this guy. Why did I come to this church? They don't let you sleep. They don't let you do nothing. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. How did how did they how did the how did Gideon? In fact, it even says you know Gideon was there for like I don't know, it was, I don't know, forty more years or some kind of thing. And 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 it said that even when he left, okay, when he when he died, I mean, when he died, it wasn't. But just we're talking just a couple years, and they're already back doing the same stuff they were doing. The point I'm trying to make is that when you, when you just keep letting the enemy bombard, and even though you're tired, and even though you feel exhausted, listen, that's when you lean into God, say, Lord, empower me, strengthen me. I call on grace. I call on your power. I call on your wisdom. I call on your strength. I call on your comfort. I call on your empowerment. You refuse to quit. That's the time you press in and let the devil know who's boss. But what happens is we get tired, and so we start talking. Aren't you tired? Yeah, I am too. I'm so tired. You tired? I'm so tired. Oh, God, I'm tired. Yeah, are you going to church? No, I preach. He just makes us do everything. Hey, tired. I'm tired. Yeah, I'm just so tired. He doesn't even know we work for a living. Don't he know I've got, I've got 10 kids at home? Don't he know I, oh, I have so many bills and so 
Don't he, if he only knew he wouldn't preach this stuff, he'd just say, you're all okay just the way you are. Don't you ever change. No! There's no going higher without change. There's no moving forward without change. There's no gaining ground without change. There's no conquering the enemy without change. You got to say enough's enough. I refuse to cower. I refuse to back up. I refuse to quit. Exhausted, but still in pursuit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You get something today. Give God praise, everybody. Hallelujah. Why don't you all stand up? Praise the Lord. My goodness, we went through two chapters. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WO Victory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.